Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, if you have your YouVersion app, uh, all of our uh, notes are available on there. If you don't know what that is, it's a Bible app called YouVersion. You can go ahead and download it. And uh, we have a profile there. You create a profile, click on More, click on Events, search for Love City Church, add it, and then add it to your profile. And I put those on there so that you don't maybe, maybe you can follow along on your phone instead of looking on the screen, or maybe you want to take notes. But all that's available for you there. And if you don't know how to do that, ask someone next to you, and I'm sure that they know how. Fantastic. And also, we always have coffee in the back. Help yourself. If you'd like some coffee or tea anytime during the message, I won't, I won't get uh, offended. But I will call out the first person. So make sure you're not the first person. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I won't call you out. If I know you, I'm calling you out. And it's probably going to be Nathan Smith. So <laughs> just kidding. So now I called someone out. Now everybody can go. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, Joel, you timed that well. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're going to get into it today. We're going to get right into the word. We've been in a series uh, since we're just in the middle, beginning of chapter 2. We've been in this series for 12 weeks already. And so my goal is to finish chapter 2 this month. Uh, I'm sorry, in June. And then starting uh, in July and August, we're going to do a 10-week uh, study on the life of Joseph. We're going to walk through the life of Joseph together. I have a few guest speakers coming in, incredible speakers going to come in and preach the word uh, while my wife are out of town for a couple of weeks. But before that, I'm preaching this summer, and we're going to study Joseph, and it's going to be fantastic. And then the fall, we'll jump back in uh, to And I've also felt like I want to do a series on heaven. So I might do a series on heaven coming up here maybe in the fall. And so it's going to be exciting. So... Come on, let's get in our word today. In 1 Corinthians, we're going to read chapter 2, verses 6 uh, to 9 today. It says 6 to 11, but it's just a lie. It's not to 11. Uh, It's actually just to 9. So let's read this together on the screen. You can follow along or on your Bible or uh, in your uh, YouVersion app. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard and nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. The last three weeks, uh, last week we had an amazing message from our dear friend Bassie, and she brought just a great testimony about the demonstration of God's power in her life, and I forgot to put it up online this week, and that wasn't because it's probably going to be the most listened to podcast of the year, <laughs> but just because I forgot, <laughs> but I'll get that up as soon as I can, but you can listen online this week, uh, but we've been talking about the, the why. Paul came to the church in Corinth and uh, knew nobody, knew nothing, no, no one. He just started uh, sharing. What we talked about for the last three weeks was that Paul didn't talk about anything else other than one thing, the, the demonstration of God's power in his life. That's all he talked about. When he came, he shared his testimony or his witness of how God himself, Jesus himself, impacted my life in an incredible way. And so he really defined the why of Christianity, the way the church started was founded on this idea that God's power can change my life, that the cross of Jesus Christ and the crucifixion of Jesus and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has the capacity to transform my life completely. 
And Paul came and told this testimony about how God changed his life. And so he was defining, this is why you became a Christian. This is why people accepted Jesus. This is why they chose to follow after God. We define the why of Christianity. God's power, crucifixion, Jesus is God, was buried, rose again, sent the Holy Spirit. When you come to that place of realization in your walk with God, that man, Jesus is God, and he died on the cross, and I believe he rose on the third day, and I believe he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and I believe he's going to return for me one day, and I'm going to spend an eternity with him. That is the foundation and the starting point of your walk with Christ. And so that's what he was declaring, the why. And really, in the best uh, said terms, I think, Paul had to come back to the church and say, listen, this has become a head religion. Your walk with God has not become about the demonstration of God's power in your life any longer. It's no longer about how you've experienced his love and a passion for the Lord and just have a zeal for the things of God. No longer is it about a heart relationship. It has become about a head religion. And Paul came in and said, guys, listen, you need to understand something. You've got to come back to the why, the why of Christianity, the foundation of Christianity, that the bottom line of Christianity is, is that, is that Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And now we serve a God who conquered sin and death. You've got to come back to that place where you remember, man, what did God do in my life? How has he drastically transformed my heart and mind? That's when it becomes a heart relationship and not a head religion. And so Paul needed to do that. And then he makes this statement. And I changed the translation on you because I wanted to read it from two different translations. But we'll see here that in our first verse here, in verse 6, he says, We do, however, speak in a message of wisdom among the mature. And so Paul now is saying, okay, Corinthian church, you heard the message of God's power, you experienced it, and now you've gone a little off track and it's become more of an intellectual thing than a heart thing. So now I want you to know that we're just going to talk about the message of the cross until you can get it, until you can experience its power. But now I want you to know that there is a deeper wisdom that we actually do bring to those who are mature. He defines this idea of maturity. The, the word mature means to be fully grown. The idea of working towards perfection in Christ. Now, we'll never be perfect until the day we die. So, uh, so we need to get over, if you think that's possible, or maybe your spouse thinks that's possible. Just kidding. Um, the reality is, is that he's talking about being full-grown, being mature. Now, today, if you're here, you're a new follower of Jesus Christ, or you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to understand something that what I'm going to share today is something that you can look forward to, something that you can desire. But if you're in that place today, your role, your job is just to experience and express the love of Jesus Christ, to experience his love, experience his forgiveness, embrace the fact that he died for you, that he redeemed you, that he changed you, that he transformed you. You've got to start there before you can uh, experience the things that we're going to talk about today. Now, some of you have been a Christian for a long time, and you're still in this place. Some of you are, are, have been a, a person for a long time, but you're not an adult. You're still a child. And there's something that Paul is beginning to talk about here, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that more in a growth way, that there's a, a reality is that there, there must be 
a maturity in our walk with God. Paul's saying you actually move away from, move uh, uh, towards different things in your walk with God. You're no longer just focused on that. There's actually more deep wisdom and revelation that God wants to give to you. He says it in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Paul does in the, in the love chapter. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. My daughter's going to be 10. 10-year-old girl, 10-year-old, 11-year-old boy, 12-year-old, they start going through changes. They start growing up. Body starts changing. Voice starts changing. Goes from high to low. They, for, for, for males, predominantly, uh, they start having different interests and different opinions. And, and w- girls stop thinking that fart noises are funny and boys never stop thinking fart noises are funny. And like they just go through this maturity process. Well, naturally, physically, we go from being a baby to being a baby who can't provide for ourselves to being a child who needs to be shown what to do, a child who needs to be fed, a, a child until now, my nine-year-old made my my, my, my son's lunch, uh, packed his backpack for the weekend and did all these things. And it's just because she's growing up into maturity. That is the natural process by which you and I must understand on a spiritual level, this idea of maturity isn't something that you're like, oh, like, do I have to go there? No, if you want to experience everything that we're going to talk about today, you've got to make a decision first that this is going to be a heart relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not doing this religion stuff any longer. I want to know God. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to experience him greatly. I want to experience his life. When you make that choice that you truly want to follow God, God with all of your life, then a natural progression of maturity must happen. And we'll show you today what happens for those who experience this maturity. Something significant begins to happen. Paul, actually, Peter says it. Look at this, 2 Peter 1.10. So dear brothers and sisters, work, look at this, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord, Savior, and Jesus Christ. There's some work involved. How this, Hebrews 5, Paul said this again. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to, to make it clear to you because you are no longer trying to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves. Notice that. Trained yourself. This is why many people, now if you're a new believer or you're not a believer here today, again, I'm talking about you accepting that and enjoying this. I'm talking to those who've been Christians for a long time. You have to understand something that that we often think, man, why can't I get to what Ryan's going to share today? Why can't I experience that? It's because you have to understand that it requires your effort. God's not going to push you along in this journey. He's going to help you. But there requires you to make a decision that you are going to train yourself daily, make daily decisions to work yourself towards maturity. And see, look what he says here. He continues and says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward 
to maturity. Ephesians 4.13 says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So Paul here says very clearly, he says, okay, I now am going to move from just talking to about, about the foundation of the power of God in, to, to more mature matters. And notice what he says about these mature matters. He says in this verse, how, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom. So now there is actually something that's reserved, something that's reserved for those who are mature. Now, this should encourage you today, if you are a new follower of Jesus Christ or you're not a believer, to know that there is actually something that you actually get to look forward to. That, that you as a follower of Jesus Christ must understand something today. That as a mature follower of Jesus Christ, as somebody who is growing in your walk with God, there is something that is reserved for you. There's a deep wisdom and a deep uh, revelation and there's a depth of mystery that is actually reserved that you have absolute access to, but you've got to make that choice that it's going to be about a heart relationship and not a head religion. It's got to go beyond that religion to relationship. And Paul here identifies this message of wisdom. That word wisdom there actually means a supreme intelligence. It means a deeper truth. It means the deep truths of God. So he's saying that when you go from being just uh, going in maturity in your walk with God, you actually begin to receive a supreme intelligence. God begins to reveal something to you that you did not know before, and you cannot experience this revelation until you make that personal decision that I'm going to serve Jesus Christ with all my life, not just because it's a religion, but because I'm passionate for God and I want to serve him with all my life. The moment you make that decision, God says, ah, here is the key to access supreme intelligence, the deepest truths of God's plan for your life. Something significant changes in your walk with God and you begin to receive information from the Lord that you did not have before. Something significant happens. This is now, we talked about the why, now we're going to talk about the what. So you can't have a what without a why. Most companies who base their business on a what don't do very well. A good example is Apple. Sorry, Joel. Apple. They base their entire existence on the why. They want to, their why drives them. That's what makes them so great at what they do. Southwest Airlines. That's why they're the most profitable airline in the world ever. Because they started with the why and then they went to the what. Most people live about the what. What am I supposed to do with my life? How do I get there? What does God want from me? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to marry? Why? You're asking all of these why questions when you haven't even started with a heart relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have a religion, you'll never be able to unlock these mysteries that you've been asking for your life. You've got to go back to the power, of God's, God's, uh, the power of God in your life. Look what this says here. This should baffle you. Verse 7. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. So this, this wisdom is now, he's calling it a mystery. Life is a bunch of mysteries. You know, when you're in high school, what am I going to be when I grow up? When you're in college, am I going to pass college? <laughs> when you're on the, the market, who am I going to marry? What are my kids going to look like? 
What's 45 going to look like? What's 35 going to look like? What's 65 going to look like? Why is there problems on this planet? Why is there suffering? Why is there difficulty? Why is there so many hardships? The mysteries, all these mysteries and questions, who am I going to marry? What's life going to look like? Will I get that job? What will I be when I grow up? And then the biggest mysteries, the biggest questions of our life, why am I here? What, what, what am I supposed to do with my life? How do I fulfill that call in my life? How do I accomplish that task? These are the mysteries, and did you know? Did you know? that you actually have the capacity, the ability, and the access to answer these questions. You have been given all access to the full depth of God's knowledge. And it was given to you before the foundation of time. He reserved it specifically for you. Now, Paul talked about this all the time, but do you know Jesus did too? Matthew chapter 13. Look at this in verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Jesus, why are you so cryptic? Jesus, why are you saying things in the parables are really made up stories? Jesus just made up stories. I mean, if I made up a story, people are like, you're a liar. Jesus makes them up and everyone's like, whoa, I'm just kidding. He makes these stories up and it's like, like the most incredible revelation of God, right? Like these parables are not real stories. Why do you speak in these fake, cryptic, not real stories? And look what Jesus says. He replied, talking to his disciples, because the knowledge, the epignosco, the intimate relationship with, the intimate understanding of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. You are my disciples. You are following me with your life. You've given up everything to follow me. Now I want you to know because of that, I have now given you access, knowledge, intimate knowledge to the absolute secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus taught this in Matthew 13. If you look at Matthew 13, it's a, it's a story about uh, the kingdom of God looks like this. He's giving you examples of what his kingdom looks like. What does my kingdom look like? And he, he, he shared this one in 34 to 35. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. He, oh, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong verse. Uh, uh, I didn't put it in there, so I'll just read it. It says this in uh, verse th uh, 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a man found and hid. In his joy, he went and sold everything he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he found a very valuable pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. See, the idea is that something is lost, but now it's found. This person was walking along. There's a revel. Oh my gosh, there's a treasure here. He found the buried treasure. He buried it again, went into town, sold everything he had, and came back and bought the entire field. See, the kingdom of God, based on the verses, read it yourself in Matthew 13, implies that the kingdom of heaven is a bit of a mystery. It's a bit hidden. There's something veiled about it. It's not always out in the open. And look what Jesus says in, in verse 30, 34. Oh, I just mixed it up. There we go. In, in verse 34 and 35, he says all these things in parables. He did not tell them anything without using parable. In verse 35, this was to fulfill what he declared by the prophet when he said, I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will declare what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. Are you guys catching this? That there's actually something reserved for those who make that decision to follow Jesus. There's a maturity. And this maturity, you say, Ryan, why do I want to follow God? Because you now have access 
to information, revelation, knowledge that has been kept since the foundations of the planet. We see here that Colossians says the same thing. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to, to know the rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background and regardless of their religious standards. Okay, Ryan, what is this mystery? I want to help you understand three different mysteries we can understand from this scripture. Three things that as a mature follower of Jesus Christ, you have full access to. Now, if you're a new believer or not a believer, you say, man, I'm about to give you a reason to want to serve God. Because when you go on that journey and you experience his power, that in and of itself is incredible to have an experience with the cross and the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. When you have that, it's beautiful. But most Christians stay there. Not that we should ever forget about or center our life on that. Don't get me wrong. That will always be the capstone of our life, the centerpiece of our world. But the problem, I think, in today's North American Christianity is that we don't go on to maturity, and so Christians are walking around aimless. Christians are walking around purposeless. Christians are walking around depressed. Christians are walking around sad, worried, fearful, upset, not believing the Word of God over miracles and healing and restoration and hope and joy and peace. We live in this world. We say, man, I just don't understand how I can live a life for God when all this is going on. It's because you've got to come back to this place and realize that when you give your life completely to Jesus and serve him wholly, obey his word, something begins to happen. You begin to get a revelation of the next three things I'm going to tell you dun, 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 next week on. <laughs> First one is this, very simply. Let's read this scripture again in 1 Corinthians 2. It says this. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. The first thing Paul is actually really talking about, so I'm going to tell you what he is talking about and then tell you what he also could be talking about, is, is the mystery of eternal life. See, what Paul is defining here in the scripture that many of us don't see when we read this because we're not thinking kingdom-minded. As followers of Jesus, our primary stance in life is this planet is not my home. I am just a sojourner. I am just a visitor. I am now a citizen of heaven. That's why I want to do a series on Heaven, because when I say heaven, you probably think of someone wearing a little, a little tutu playing a harp in heaven on a cloud. And they go, I don't want to do that. I'd rather go see a movie. Like, what the heck? I don't want to go up to heaven like that. Now, I'm reading the book right now. I encourage you to read it. It's like a manuscript. Write it down. It's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It's the most prolific book of the, uh, on heaven. And if you want to learn more about heaven, read that book. I'm having a hard time because it's so big and it's a big words and I'm not a very smart person. So I'm taking me a while, but I'm getting there. I'm going to figure this out. But if you read that book, you'll realize that, guys, we are, we are just citizens. We are citizens of heaven. We're only visitors on this planet. That's why the Bible says, don't store up yourself treasures on this earth. Yes, we are given a stewardship of our life and our relationships and our money and our home, and we steward those. But we don't steward those so that we can experience something on this world. We, we steward those so that we can invest into our eternal home when Christ returns and restores this heaven and this earth back to its original state. You will be judged in heaven by what you did with your life. 
And so Paul here is saying, you need to understand something. Your eye has never seen. Your ear has never even heard a description. And your mind does not have the biggest imagination. Walt Disney couldn't capture it. How incredible heaven will be. You have no idea what God has prepared for those who love him. And in our, in our, in our simple thinking, in our simple dark, glim minds, we only see lightly or dimly this puzzle of heaven we can't quite figure out. And what Paul is saying is that what no eye has seen and no ear has heard, your mind can't even conceive the incredible life that God has prepared for those who love him after you die. Every missionary knows that the number one way to stay a missionary for a long time, and I'm making a judgment call here, is that you're not living for this world. You're living for the world to come. And the only thing that keeps you there is a word from the Lord and the fact that this is not my home. Paul says, no eye has seen, nor has heard. There's a mystery of eternal life. And the thing I wanted to share that with you is because most believers don't think about eternal life. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to be really hard, okay? It might take the wind out of you, but just hold on, okay? It's all right. The reason most Christians don't understand the idea of eternal life is because most Christians are thinking through a head religion. I want to encourage you, begin to think about heaven. Begin to put your mind upon the things the Lord's prepared for you, and it will change the way you see your job. It'll change the way you see your relationships. It'll change the way you live your life because you ain't living for this planet. You're living for a life where you'll go to heaven and you'll spend an eternity with Jesus and you will be rewarded in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, Ryan, don't, doesn't it mean that I just have faith and get to heaven? Yeah, you'll have faith and you're going to get to heaven. But in the new heaven and in the new earth, he'll look at your life and say, how did you live what I gave you? How did you steward it? And this should bring fresh joy to your spirit to know that, man, my life, God provides for my life. He takes care of me. I don't need to worry about it. I get to enjoy the luxuries and the blessings he puts in my life, but I'm not living for this planet. I'm living for the world to come. Second thought here is God's mystery, the mystery of a purposeful life. The, the mystery of a purposeful life. Michael's going to come up and play the guitar, but he's going to play for a little while. The mystery of a pur purposeful life. Look at this definition of the word prepared. To get ready for something. To make, to do something in advance before something starts. Drawn from the oriental custom of sending a, 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 sending a delegate on before kings on their journey to level the roads and to make them passable. So the word here, prepared, means that what God did is he went before you and actually cleared a path on your behalf to make sure that on your journey of God, this life is passable. You're not going to have problems. You're going to have issues and situations and problems in your life, but he's going to help you navigate these things in your life. Oh my gosh, there's a huge boulder in the road. Okay, remember I created this detour this way. You're supposed to be responsive and obedient to get around this boulder of life. And oh my gosh, there's a broken tree. Oh, don't worry. I set something before you. We're going to cut that tree in half. We're going to clear it out of the way. It's okay. We're going to make it through this. God goes before you and he begins to reveal to you something about your life. There's something very interesting here that we must see that God destined for our glory before the time began. Think about that for a minute. Before time began. Can your brain wrap around that reality? Now this should tell us two things about God. Number one, Anyone who would argue with the creation of God based on this scripture is wrong. 
He was there before creation. This confirms that Genesis 1 to 3 is absolutely accurate, that he was there waiting to create it. And the second thing you should realize is that he has a tremendous plan for your life if he had your life mapped out before the foundation of Look at the scripture in Psalms 139. This is also another, uh, uh, another reality for the belief that God is involved in every pregnancy. Psalms 139.13, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is so marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me. As I was being formed in utter seclusion and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every, what? Moment was laid out before a single day has passed. If you have a hard time believing that God is involved in your life, read this verse. Before the foundations of time, he had your life written in his book. Before the foundation of time, when you were in your mom's womb and your mom was thinking about getting rid of you, God was there. God was present. God was involved in all the intricacies and the nuances of your personality and your body type and your hair color and your purpose and your wiring. And he just sat there. He thought, okay, I want you to know, son and daughter, I have such a plan for your life. I've written it all out for you. I want you to know that I've gone before you and that I want to reveal to you a purposeful life. That I have something great planned for you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, if you aren't a follower of God, this revelation, you don't have it. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, as one who's committed my life to the Lord, he begins to reveal these things to me. Look at this in Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. God has caused all things to work out for his glory. Now, if there's a God, and he was in existence prior to the planet, and he had your life mapped out, wouldn't that change your perspective on your life? Wouldn't that change how you go through stuff? Wouldn't that change how your life is? Wouldn't that change when you're looking at 17 different jobs because you're the smartest guy in the room and you don't know what to do and God just says, you know what, I'm going to give you a dream, my son, because I love you and I want you to know that before the foundations of time, I had your life mapped out. You say, Ryan, I'm having a bad relationship with my spouse or my finances aren't good. Don't you know, think that God knew that you were going to make that good or bad decision and that he's right there with you saying, did you know that before I even created the planet that you stand on, I had your mind and life in my hands and in my mind and I fabricated it and I guided you and I was with you and I formed you. He has a purposeful life for you. That's the revelation of the Spirit that he comes and shows you wow there's much more for your life than what you think we're going to do a series on Joseph and I'm going to give you just a quick snapshot Joseph had a dream at 17 years old 
He was given a dream that he would be standing up in front of all of his brothers and his father and his mother. And as he stood before them, they all bowed down before him. This dream, 17 years old with 11 older brothers, it caused a bit of a problem because they all thought, no way my youngest brother is going to make me bow down before him. And so this caused him to actually get thrown into a cistern. They planned to kill Joseph, but instead they thought, let's just sell him into slavery. <laughs> so they sold Joseph into slavery. Now listen, if you were sold into slavery and you had a dream for your life, you had this revelation that God's got great plans for your life, and then you're sold into slavery, don't you think for a moment you'd stop and say, God, where are you? What's going on, God? My life's terrible. It must be because I got sin in my life, or it must be because of this, or it must be because of that. It must be that I'm just screwed up. No, did you know that that very thing, the very decision for them to put Joseph into slavery, God was in every single moment and brought him to the place at the end of his life where he was the most powerful man in the world. All because Joseph knew there's a purpose for my life. The last thing here today, and then we'll worship is the mystery of an abundant life. John 10.10, 10, one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Look at the definition of abundant or have life. Look at this. Every eye on the screen, look at it. This is what God wants for you. Look, exceeding a measure of need, over and above, more than is necessary, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, remarkable. This is the abundant life that God wants for us. Jim Carrey. You all know Jim Carrey. He's Canadian. <laughs> he said this amazing quote. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. The wisest man on the planet, Solomon, wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets and then carries and then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then it turns north. Around and round it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied how much we hear. We are never content. See, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have a fresh revelation from God, this mystery of this abundant life that does not come from riches. It doesn't come from sex. It doesn't come from relationship. It doesn't come from addiction. It doesn't come from a job. It doesn't come from a career. It doesn't come from a car. I was at this guy last night getting, standing there paying for my ticket and this guy stood next to a group of people and they looked outside of the Tesla and said, yeah, you like my new Tesla? And the other guy says, well, I like my Ferrari better. And the other guy said, well, I like my Lamborghini better. And I thought, I've never been in this conversation before. This is amazing. <laughs> Just standing next to this was cool. I was like, yeah, I know. I like my Honda Civic. It's awesome. But these men were talking about things that really meant nothing. And yet we spend our whole lives seeing and we're never satisfied and hearing and we're never content. This is the life that is lived without Jesus Christ. And you and I have to understand that when our ears and our eyes are looking for things to satisfy us, I go through this in my life all the time. I just get dissatisfied. And so I go research motorcycles and I buy a new one. Or I go listen to music or, or go watch a movie. Or I go into a relationship or I delve myself into systems at the church because there's something inside of me that just isn't satisfied with what I have. And it's because I'm straying away from finding myself in Jesus. 
realizing that he's called me to have an abundant life. A life that's full of joy and peace and hope. A life that's happy. Happiness, folks, joy is what Christians should be. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Happiest people on the planet might be the poorest. Might be the ugliest. Just kidding. Uh, I'm you might go through life and not have what this guy has, or maybe you do and you're generous. It's crazy. Whatever your life might look like, the reality is, is that all those things never ever satisfy. And we get fixated on these things when we have to come back to the reality that God wants us to have an abundant life. This man came to Jesus and he said, teacher, he was a religious teacher. He knew God. He was rich. And he said in the scripture, he came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? There's something missing. There's a supernatural depth in my life that is gone. There's something missing in my life. John 10, 10. We're almost done. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil, the other part of the story, wants to steal from you. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your contentment. He wants to steal your understanding of God's word. He wants to steal your relationships. He wants to steal from you. So when you don't have joy or you don't have abundance or you don't have peace, do you think it's because there's something wrong with you? It's because there's an enemy of your soul who's trying to steal away what God is trying to do in your life. There is an enemy, there is a devil who roams around the earth looking for who he can devour. He wants to steal from you and you better stop letting him. Put in a security system around your mind. It's called the Bible. Stop letting the devil steal your joy. Stop letting the devil steal your happiness. Stop letting the devil steal your contentment. Stop letting him do what he does best and understand that you have been called to have an abundant life. He wants to kill you, not physically, because he knows you're following Jesus. He wants to kill you mentally as much as he can. He wants to steal your joy and your spirit. He wants to steal it and kill it. And lastly, he wants to destroy you. That means, that word means to be separated from. He wants to separate you from God and from people. What do you do when you are feeling down about yourself? Most of the time, you go and be by yourself. You isolate. You get away from good relationships. You invest into the bad ones because it makes you feel better. And the reality is this, is that the enemy wants to put relationships, listen to me now, the enemy wants to put relationships in your life that are trying to separate you from God. Do not let it happen. Every single time someone tries to serve the Lord, some person comes into their life who's not a strong follower of God and they invest themselves in the relationship and every single time they stray away. That relationship is not of God. It is a, a, a strategy of the evil one. He wants to separate you from God. He wants to separate you from relationships. He wants to separate you. God has called you to have an abundant life. He wants to restore us back into a place of Eden. Restore us back into the place where we had euphoric relationship with the Lord. It's not perfect. Leave this last verse here and then we'll worship. Second Corinthians, our key text. Look at this. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those. But look at this. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. 
here today and you're a follower of God, but you've been a follower of God for a long time and it's become a religion, you are missing out on a mystery of eternal life, a mystery of a purposeful life, and the mystery of an abundant life. And today, God wants to make a shift in your heart and mind. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, today's your day. Come on, all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ. It says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God and you will be saved. Accept him, you're accepted into the eternal kingdom. There is such great things for you. And I believe today, I just saw this picture when I was praying today. There's this kind of this onion layer over this church. I, I think Bassie and I have talked about it a little bit. There's this onion, I don't, I don't know if that's a good description. It's like a dome. I just see it in the spiritual realm. It's a dome of depression, a dome of anxiety, a dome of lackadaisical Christianity, a dome of religion. And I want to rip it off today. I want you to be radical for the things of God. I want you to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, I am your conduit. I am your ambassador. I am here today to be led by you because I know there's eternal life and there's an abundant life and there's a purposeful life. Before the foundations of time, God, I'm a follower of the Most High God. I'm a son and daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're going to rip off that religion today. In the name of Jesus Christ, would you just close your eyes? I want to pray for you. Father, right now, I pray. Lord, that it would no longer be a head a religion, but a heart relationship today. That, Father, there would be a growth of maturity. We would no longer be in our adolescence or, or young babies, Father, for those who've been followers of you. But today, 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 today would be the day of maturity. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak to every heart. I speak to every mind. And I say, freedom. You, you are set free to be free in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak hope and I speak joy and I speak against the lies of the devil. I speak against the strategies of the enemy who want to try to get us, who try to kill us and steal from us and destroy us. Today, we speak abundant life. Abundant life in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? Come on, Michael's going to lead us in a time of worship. Come on, right now, let's just... Let's just do something for me real quick. Would you just put your hands out this morning like you're going to receive a gift? Come on, the Bible says that these are the things that we receive from the Spirit of God. Right now, Holy Spirit, we receive. Come on, right now, we receive from you, Lord. Lord, every person in this room, new believer, old believer, not a believer, we open our lives to you right now and we say, Father, we want to understand these things today. We want to understand what you've called us to. And as we worship you, God, I pray you would bring a revelation of the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's worship together.
Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.